0: Amen Rose. How good was that? love those guys so much. It's so good to hear from some of our church family who have been around for a while and I think it's so important that we look back together to hear about what God has done and said in the past and yeah I'm so so thankful for all of these guys that we've just seen and others who have put so much into this church who have been faithful in leading through the good times and the hard times and also so thankful for their for their wisdom and support as we lead ebby today so thank you so much Uh, so my name's esther uh, if you don't know that already and i am one of the leaders here at ebby church today And we're gonna be starting a four-week teaching series called Looking Back, Looking Forward. We are in weird times, aren't we? And let's face it, we have been for a while. And things seem to be slowly changing, but that doesn't mean that that change is easy or that life is any less weird. For each of us, our experiences of life in a global pandemic over the last 80 months are going to be very, very different. How we feel right now in this moment, also very different. And our our thoughts as we look forward, as we look ahead into the future, again, we're all going to be in very different places. And I think it's really important that we remember that. Like we are going to need a whole load of love, grace and compassion to work this all out together as church and, yeah, in the bigger picture too. And good job we've got Jesus. As always, genuinely, genuinely grateful for that, for him. So our theme for this week is remember. And Eileen explained awesomely where the name of our church, Ebenezer, comes from and why it's important. She quoted from the Bible, 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. This is what it says. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And we're going to have a think on this verse and the verses around it. But before we do that, we're just going to have a look at two other bits from the Bible. So in the Bible, the names of places, their meaning, who they point to and what they mark are really important. And Samuel isn't the first person to use some stones to build something that helps remember who God is and what he's done. There's a guy in the Bible called Jacob. He had a twin called Esau, and their relationship was a little bit tricky, to put it mildly. And this is from Genesis, the first book in the Bible, chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Jacob said, I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked with him. Now, I think this is pretty cool. Like, Jacob recognises God has been with him, that God spoke to him personally in a really hard life situation. And he also recognises that God with us that that is a constant truth, no matter what is going on. He says, God has been with me wherever I have gone. So Jacob gets some stones and he makes something tangible as a permanent reminder of that truth. Then we've got Joshua. His job was to lead the Israelites into the home God had promised them. Sounds simple, it wasn't, Um, but you can read that story in the book of Exodus and onwards in the Bible. But to cut a very long story short, the Israelites crossed a river into the promised land and Joshua told them to pick up 12 stones from the middle of the miraculously temporarily dry riverbed. And Joshua chapter 4 verses 20 to 24 saying, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua uses these stones as a reminder for those who are there in that moment. But the stones are also there to point future generations to God and his awesomeness, to remind them what God did in that specific place, and in their shared history. And I think this is so important, isn't it? We need to be telling our God stories to each other across the generations, a bit like we did in our little video earlier, to remember our shared history and God in amongst that. And maybe you've got some stone equivalents in your own lives. Maybe there are moments, places, objects, tattoos, things that point you to God, remind you of his awesomeness, that spur you on, keep you going, move you forward. And yeah, do have a think about that and maybe share those things, what they are with someone you know, someone you trust, your small group. Um, Or send me a message, I'd love to hear that stuff. So let's have a read now of 1 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 2 to 17. Uh, It's quite long, um, so if you've got a Bible, that might be helpful as we look back at different bits later on. But um, no worries if you haven't, um, the words are going to be on your screen now too. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord, so Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit, commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bells and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic They were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen, he named it Ebenezer, saying, "Thus far the Lord has helped us." So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath and the, that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel and Israel delivered the neighbouring territory from the hands of the Philistines and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah where his home was And there he also held court for Israel, and he built an altar there to the Lord. So two things that we are going to think about um, from these verses. The first is the context, and the second is the stone. So the context and the stone. So first of all, context. And when I say context, what I mean is what happened in the lead up to Samuel setting up this Ebenezer stone. This wasn't a casual, oh, go on then, let's stick a stone in the ground just in case this moment is important. And Samuel, he wasn't flying solo on this. The whole of the people of Israel were involved. This was a weighty, community-involving act, and I think there's a load of good stuff we can learn in it. So first of all, the Israelites realised they'd messed up. They'd got distracted, chosen to live life their own way and forgotten God. The second half of verse 2 says, Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. And sometimes it's easy to read stories in the Bible, especially ones like this, and roll our eyes, shake our heads, because we can't believe the Israelites have screwed up again that they've forgotten God again. I mean, you know, like what more does God have to do for them? But let's be honest, how often do we find ourselves in this situation? Like we mess up. We eventually realize we've forgotten God and yeah, just somewhat hesitantly maybe, we turn back towards him. And this isn't just an individual thing as we see in these verses, we can do this as a church family, as people together. We we make mistakes, we get caught up in ourselves in the busyness and the stuff of church and we forget God. The worst thing I think we can do is pretend that this isn't the case. Like we can't do the returning, the returning to God. If we don't recognise or are not honest enough to admit that we've gone off track. And I like that the people of Israel keep turning back. Like sometimes it takes a while. Uh, sometimes they take a really roundabout route. But eventually, like they know their God. They know who he has been in the past, who he is now and who he always will be. So they turn back again and again. I like that. uh, Next in our verses, there's intercession, fasting and confession. Um, You can read that in verses five and six. Samuel intercedes. He prays on behalf of the people. And while Samuel is doing that, the people fast. They pour out water before the Lord as an act of confession, owning the bad stuff they've done. And I love how everyone is a part of this. Samuel was God's anointed prophet. It was his job to speak to God, to hear from God on behalf of the people. So in this case here, that's what he did. But the community of Israel, they... They didn't leave Samuel to it. They didn't put their feet up and wait until he'd done all the interceding, he'd done all the praying, done all the hard work for them. The people of Israel, they knew this was a collective act, that this returning, this fasting and confession, that everyone had a part to play in that, and that, yeah, it was, it was costly. It's going to cost them something. Our faith isn't supposed to be an individualistic, me-centred kind of thing. And we know that, but I don't know about you. In the last 18 months, it's kind of been easy to fall into that way of thinking because we haven't been able to do the connecting as church family um, very easily and not in all the different ways that we've been used to doing that. And we've kind of got used to being able to pick and choose to do uh, our version of church in our way in our time wearing our PJs maybe not judging if you've got your pyjamas on right now and yeah this isn't necessarily a bad thing but I wonder if maybe we've got to to relearn to remember how to do this thing together as church family the following Jesus and everything that involves, the good, the hard, and yeah, everything in between, like we see Samuel and the people of Israel doing. And in verses 8 and 9, the people of Israel plead with Samuel. Like the Philistines are on the attack and they say, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us. And Samuel's response, He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. Sometimes desperate, persistent, continual prayer is needed. Where we say to ourselves and to the people around us, don't stop. We can't do this ourselves. We need God. We need you to please keep praying. And for me as i've read these verses and been thinking on them i think there's something quite moving in this journey samuel and the people of israel are on with god it's it's messy it's far from perfect but it's real life following god it is costly it involves honesty and vulnerability which might not sound like good selling points but yeah I love where this ends up in our verses and I think it's an encouragement to us. It feels like such a powerful moment when everyone, when all the people of Israel, the old and the young, the the women, the men, the kids, they all come together and chase hard after God they choose to do the hard stuff and they choose to do it together and yeah that is so so powerful and this is what I want for me for us for Ebenezer Church to be people who chase after God in all our imperfections in the messiness of life we do that together And this journey that we've just been thinking about, I think it's closely reflected in some other verses from the Bible. And I picked these out because these verses, um, yeah, God has been highlighting them to us as Ebby church over the last three to four years. So they're quite significant for us. And those verses are 2 Chronicles 7, 14 to 15. This is what they say. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And I do think God is inviting us as church family in this specific moment, in this specific time, into this kind of costly relationship with himself and with each other, where we, yeah, where we humble ourselves, where we pray, where we chase hard after God. I think, yeah, this is what God is inviting us into today. So keep that in mind and yeah, we'll come back to that at the end. So we've looked at the context. Now let's get to this stone. So here's verse 12 again. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. I loved what Eileen said about why setting up this stone was an important thing to do, that the people of Israel and Samuel needed reminding that they hadn't done it all. They hadn't got this far on their own. God had always been with them, was always helping them. And I'm gonna make an assumption, hopefully not unfairly, that you're a little bit like me. When life is going well, when you feel in control, that's when you can get a little bit carried away with yourself. And I need, and I think we all need these obvious, visual, intentional reminders that this life is not all on us, and it's not all about us. If I look back on my own life, I know without a shadow of doubt, the only reason I am here today is because God has helped me this far. And I am crazily grateful that God welcomes me with open arms all the times I mess up and turn back to find him, just like he did for the people of Israel, time and time again. The great thing for us is that some very wise people in the 1930s gave this church the slightly weird, but actually very wonderful name, Ebenezer. And the very meaning of this name, the name of our church, Reminds us to keep grounded, to stay humble, to remember that we are here, that this church is still standing, literally, as Ron said earlier, and otherwise, because God is and always has been with us and helping us. And I think that last word is actually really important, that us. Samuel says, thus far, the Lord has helped us, not me us and the reason of this Ebenezer stone it wasn't to keep the people of Israel um, like looking back and remembering the good old days nor was it to keep them stopped still in that point gathered around this big old stone thanking God forever the purpose of the stone of remembering was to move them forward And I think the same is true for us. We point everything back to God. We know that he alone is how we've got this far. And so that encourages us in the present. It encourages us to to trust him, to stick close to him. And so we move. We move forward and we do that together. And we're going to be looking at this some more over the next three weeks, so please do um, check back in with us um, to hear some more around this theme. But for now, um, I want to suggest a few ways that we can respond in this, and just encourage you to keep in mind um, the context, like what happened in um, the lead-up to laying the stone, the collective confession and prayer. And also, yeah, what the stone means, like literally. What does it mean? What does it do? Who does it point to? So first of all, um, maybe this might be helpful. Um, When Jesus was praying just before he died, he prayed to God, um, let it be done your way, not mine. And I kind of feel like this... um, out loud prayer of surrender is a good place to start as we respond in this as as individuals and as church family like this isn't about us and we open our hands we we trust God and we surrender and we say your way Father God not ours and the second thing um Earlier, I mentioned I think that God is inviting us into, um, yeah, this costly relationship with each other as a church family and Himself for now, today. I think that's an a now thing. So, what what are you what are, what are we saying to that? Like, what is our response? Like, are we in? It's not going to be easy. It's not just a yeah, sure, go on then. Like, it's costly, but yeah, are we in? To that invitation, do we say yes? And the third thing, a little bit of a practical thing that you might like to get involved with. Um, and I had this idea so that we make our own Ebenezer 2021. And what I'm inviting you to do is to get a stone. Doesn't matter where it's from, how big it is. Grab a sharpie and write your name on it. Here's one I made earlier proud of that um if you don't have access to stones or sharpies swing by ebby and we'll hook you up but yeah so grab a stone write your name on it maybe you want to do one as an individual as a family i mean you can get more creative if you want than i have um but yeah if you do that and then drop it off at our church building on filton avenue sometime over the next three weeks um yeah we're going to put these together and make some kind of Ebenezer and in my head this I think this could be quite powerful um, it's our way of standing together as all the different people and parts of our church family and saying this far God has helped us in the hard stuff of the past and the present in amongst a global pandemic in our differences in the times when we're flying, God has got us to this point. And so we write our name on a stone to acknowledge that. We trust that he is going to take us further and we'll move forward with him, all of us together. So, yeah, get involved in that. Um, I'm going to pray and hand over to Rachel and Stu. Um, So, yeah, let's just be open, open to God right now. Yeah, Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for that truth that you are always with us. Yeah, thank you that, yeah, we need you that we can't do this on our own. We're not supposed to do this life on our own. Yeah, Thank you for the reminders that, yeah, as we look back, as we remember that, yeah, you have been with us, that you're good, that you're faithful. Thank you for those moments, those stones that we have as individuals and as church. Yeah, and I pray that those stones will encourage us in the present and move us forward knowing that you go with us and the only reason we move is because you go with us so yeah father god we surrender to you now we say let it be done your way not ours Yeah, we listen to that invitation to, uh, yeah, costly relationships with each other and with you that are um, honest and vulnerable. Yeah, will you speak to us around that? Will you show us what that might mean and look like? And yeah, Father God, we stand together in this moment. Together. And we say... You have got us this far. Father God, will you take us on? Will you move us forward? Whatever that means and looks like. Yeah, we love you and we trust you. Amen. So yeah, please do keep thinking about this stuff. Look forward to um, having your stones show up at our church building on Filton Avenue. Uh, We're going to hand over to Rachel and Stu. Um, they're going to lead us in some worship to help us to continue to think and respond to God thank you